Good morning, this is Sinta Eberson from Fair Divorce, and today we're going to talk about the new Rule 41A. With me is uh, Advocate Etienne van Weyck, who's also a mediator, to um, explain more about that. Etienne, thank you very much for being here, and uh, welcome. Good morning, thank you for having me. Will you please explain to us what does Rule 41A mean and what that impact is on those of us who are going through separation and divorce? Okay, um, I'm just going to talk freely. Uh, Rule 41A uh, came into existence on the 9th of March 2020, last year. Uh, so it's been around for a while and many people uh, actually have the idea or the perception that it specifically came in because of uh, COVID. Uh, but you know, on the 9th of March, we knew about COVID, but it still wasn't that pertinent uh, at that moment, you know, uh, with regards to, you know, uh, the problems that we had three weeks later. So in answering that, <clears throat> this has actually been something that's been going, uh, you know, back and forth, whether you should make mediation compulsory, uh, you know, as at the moment, it's a very voluntary process. If people do not want to mediate, they can go over to litigation. And I want to point out uh, two cases that actually long before uh, the Rule 41A was implemented on the 9th of March last year. And the one case is as far back as 2008, very well-known case, uh, which was between uh, Brownlee and Brownlee uh, with Judge Brassie, where, you know, just in layman's terms, uh, and in short, where he sort of, during the proceedings, he saw that these two people actually really wanted to mediate. And um, he was actually very stern and taking a very strong stance on why mediation didn't take place in this case, etc. And he ordered both attorney firms to pay their own costs because he absolutely believed in that specific case that you know, uh, they could have mediated, they could have prevented uh, a lot of heartache and a lot of trauma, etc. And then you have a case in, in 2010 as well, uh, MB versus N, N, uh, B, MB versus NB, where the judge also made, uh, you know, the similar comments, etc. and uh, sort of the same outcome, uh, where he actually said in paragraph 59, uh, you know, of his judgment, mediation was the better alternative for the matter and should have been tried. Uh, there's always been uh, sort of uh, pulling between mediators and uh, um, uh, uh, attorneys and advocates. And they then developed first started in England, especially a concept called collaborative law. Mm -hmm. And what collaborative law means is that which was which is part of for me part of the whole mediation process, or you know, enhancing mediation, bringing it to the forefront where you would have litigation attorneys uh, being part of a body that says we are also collaborative law, and we are in favor of collaborative law. And what they are saying in essence to people out there is they're saying that uh, although we are representing you uh, as your attorney, we sort of promise 
and commit that we will not go to court. We will speak to the other side and we will have what we call round tables, which is a form of mediation, uh, although mediators say it's not, but it is, um, uh, because it's negotiation, until we resolve this matter. And uh, if you look at the general public center and you speak to people, and you speak to people that's been through very horrible divorces, etc. 95% of people, and I've been around in mediation, uh, you know, and litigation, and they don't want to go to court. Um, they're scared of the process. They also know that it will take enormous resources, financial resources, psychological resources, you know, um, and uh, many people feel that's gone through that process at the end of the day that there were no winners. Um, yes. I speak to them on a weekly basis. I'm sure you do as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I want to use one case that I handled uh, personally where uh, the uh, it is a normal divorce case. And um, the when the when the parties got to me through their attorneys, uh, well, the one attorney uh, on the one side of the of the plaintiff, uh, they were fighting for eighteen months, which which doesn't sound that long, but at that point they had no settlement agreement on the table. They had a few round tables, and there were some applications to compel, you know, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, discovery, and. In the words of the plaintiff that became my client then, together with the defendant uh, doing the mediation, we are nowhere. You know, we've been fighting for 18 months. And at that point in time, when they decided to go into mediation, they literally had bills in the hundreds of thousands of rents, you know, and without any progress. Now, I'm not implying that this happens in every case. Uh, but in his case, he was a, it was quite a big estate. He was a very senior guy, uh, you know, managing director of a big company. And uh, he was very angry that exactly what we're talking about today, that they didn't tell him up front that you get very senior mediators. There are legal experts that are very skilled at what they're doing. And they never gave him that option. And surprisingly, uh, you know, uh, and it happens, you know, not to his, his fault. He, he didn't know it existed. He said to me that he, he only recently, he actually walked into uh, the wrong attorney's, which wasn't his attorney, office to deliver something. And she told him about mediation, you know, just said to him because he was so... Uh, he was in total despair. This is going nowhere. And he was thinking this would continue for another four or five years. Um, if you look at Rule 41A, there's, there's a few things that I, I want to point out coming back to, you know, why it was implemented. We've looked at that a bit, but it is still not compulsory. Many people out there and even mediators and some attorneys think that uh, it, it is a uniform rule uh, that now says that you first have to mediate before you can, you know, litigate, which is not true. It is just a procedural 
um, you know, implementation that creates awareness of mediation. And of course, you know, the intention of the lawmaker was that people should first try and mediate before they litigate. So that is the absolute intention. And there are things which I will quickly point out to you that can, you know, uh, not be in your favor, you know, and to your advantage if you just outright decline mediation, which is in, in, in the rule. Um, but still, it is voluntary. Uh, and it refers to, uh, you know, from, from that date, every lawyer or, uh, you know, uh, litigant that issues a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a summons, uh, and it was similar to the Form 27, must notify, especially the plaintiff or the, uh, um, the applicant, must include a notice that, you know, of mediation and why they would like to mediate, etc. And the defendant or the respondent must do the same in layman's terms. And then if you do not consent to mediation, you need to give reasons why you believe this will not be a successful mediation, that you, that you feel this case particularly cannot be mediated. And up to now, for the first year since this rule came in, uh, it is no surprise that most litigants, attorneys, and, and uh, you know, uh, um, lawyers out there, you know, which is the same thing, I'm just referring to both names, but the, the, uh, they don't refer this to mediation. They, uh, they immediately, you know, come up with, uh, you know, reasons why it cannot be mediated. Um, and I don't want to go into the reasons for that, but many of the reasons, you know, are being told to me by, by clients, which are very obvious in certain instances. Um, and uh, that could be very costly because in, in the, the Rule 41A makes provision that if you do not, um, <clears throat> uh, Rule 41.9B specifically makes provision that if you do not consent to mediation and in the case uh, the judge feels that this could have been mediated and you you know, you didn't want to negotiate. I always explain that to people. You're just saying, these are my demands. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not giving anything. I'm, this is what I want, etc. Uh, you can have a cost order against you. Uh, it makes provision for that in 41.9b, where it says that when an order for cost of the action of application is to be considered, the courts may have regard for the notice referred to in subrule 2. In other words, why were you not mediating? What was your reasons for not mediating? And uh, very recently, uh, now what's happened in the past year is many uh, uh, summonses were issued without complying to Rule 41A. Uh, in other words, they did not even make any mention of mediation or the sub-rule you know, that you can mediate and included that. And we've seen it now over the past month where, you know, some chief justices have uh, now uh, issued a, a, a notice saying that uh, we are going to start looking into that. 
and your summons will not be accepted. You will not go onto the roll. You will not be heard in court if you do not conform to the requirement of issuing, you know, in terms of sub rule. Uh, to a notice of mediation and uh, you know uh, what they're actually saying is we want you to tell your clients that there is something like mediation and they must ask you about that and I've recently spoken to a very senior attorney um, uh, that's dealing with a lot of civil cases and especially divorce cases and uh, she's one of those attorneys that feel that you are not actually you know, um, acting in the best interest of your client if you do not tell them about mediation. You need to tell them about mediation and you need to comply with Rule 41A. And, um, you know, uh, uh, so that people have the choice. You can still advise them if you feel that this could be, this mediation could be, you know, to their detriment. Because uh, that, is the, that is also a point I just want to raise. People often ask me, do you think anything can be mediated? Etienne, no, before, you, before you continue yes. with that, can I just check with you if I'm understanding this correctly? Yes. The Rule 41 is then by no means a way to enforce mediation, but it's a way to make sure that whoever is going through a divorce is made aware of mediation and explores the possibility of doing mediation before they proceed yes. with litigation. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's only applicable to high court. Okay. So that is also very important. Mm -hmm. The notice at the moment is only applicable to high court. Mm -hmm. So uh, you do not have to include a Rule 41A notice, you know, if it's not a high court case. Okay. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. It is there to create more awareness but I think from from the court side, if I can call it like that, and the lawmaker side, they, it's actually more than that. They really want people to mediate more before they come to court. Because from personal experience, you and me know, many cases that land up in court and with a lot of financial strain and trauma, etc., could really have been mediated with the right mediator. It just could. It's just fact. So, uh, I think, and that's why they have, you know, uh, the Rule 419, uh, you know, where there's sort of a, a little bit of a, you know, uh, a threat that says you, you can end up with a cost order if you don't comply to these rules, etc. Um, for me, it's very simple, Santa. You should inform each and everybody that there's such a process because it's not always necessary. Secondly, uh, as an attorney representing somebody, you can participate in mediation. You know, uh, you are still there. You're, you're not being fired or let go or whatever. Uh, I prefer in many instances where I deal with somebody where I feel which I dubbed uh, um, uh, self-determination without knowledge so to explain that is where you have somebody that you know just doesn't have the insight and suddenly she needs to deal with quite a bigger estate fending for herself etc because as a mediator sitting there you cannot give her advice 
you know mm. you can give legal guidance in yes. terms of experience but you cannot give any of the parties advice and i will actually then tell such a person listen you need an attorney to look out for you that uh, to be that you can run the settlement by etc etc especially if the other party you know has already uh, have counsel so um that is important to know that mediation is not a process that you take away somebody's right to get uh, legal advice uh, you know and now uh, you know participants are left to fend without any knowledge etc it's absolute nonsense uh, it's just a quicker process one of the things you know that i also want to mention here is people are saying okay but i want to mediate because it's a lot cheaper it is not a lot cheaper i'm not necessarily i'm talking about myself now cheaper than the next legal guy the reason why you can perceive it as a lot more inexpensive and it will not take so much financial resources is because you can a mediation can be concluded sometimes within two weeks or four weeks and that's something i want to point out with rule 41a as well where it actually from the uh, if let's say the parties now decide that they want to mediate and uh, there's a joint minute by both parties that was filed that this is going to be a mediation and uh, the mediation agreement the mediator has been appointed rule 41a actually specifically uh, uh, refers to that the mediation should be concluded within 30 days okay so uh, that is also to prevent uh, you know uh, procrastination on a party side mm. to prevent part and parcel strategy of you know uh, sort of you know prolonging the process to get other evidence using mediation as a backstop to prolong the process yes. and you know um, it says you need to complete it within 30 days and it is very 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 much possible i would say 95 percent of all my mediations are being concluded within 30 days mm. um, so it does make provision for that um, specifically that it must be concluded in 30 days so yes it is not compulsory yet um, if you just don't want to mediate for no reason but i think as we go along in years to come the courts are going to enforce this a lot more um, there's a whole, uh, if I can call it in layman's term, a legal practice bill, which we have that is now being written for mediation. And I think in time we will see a uniform body that, uh, you know, uh, it will be compulsory for you if you're a mediator to be registered with that, like an attorney or an advocate of the legal practice council, um, which we don't have at the moment. Um, I can see that in future uh, that uh, that will become uh, compulsory and then mediation will come to the forefront. Um, I think our biggest challenge is that and this is actually where and I'm, I'm saying something very controversial now where I agree with some attorneys and advocates etc 
is that the in many instances the quality of mediators out there you know um, could be a problem where uh, for instance and i will put this on record here i totally disagree that somebody who hasn't doesn't uh, you know have a law degree now suddenly do divorce mediations uh, you need a law degree you can do counseling uh, you know, if you're a forensic, uh, even a forensic social worker, etc., you can deal with the family matters, voice of the child, etc. But uh, we now see that, you know, somebody would go on a week or a two week course and then draft a high court, you know, uh, uh, divorce settlement. Yeah. I don't think that that is correct. And I think that is things that will need to change in future. And I think very often because of that, you have failed mediations and people will, you know, the general public out there would say, oh, not mediation. I, you know, I tried that. It didn't work. But it's because of the process. Yes. So it's more a team effort. I think psychologists and social workers and, uh, you know, uh, parent coordinators and, uh, you know, uh, play therapists. And then, you know, the legal fraternity in terms of advocates and, and, and attorneys, they all play a major role. But there, are certain, there should be certain boundaries, very strict boundaries on what you can do and can't do. Um, it comes down to a collaborative process, no matter yes. how you look at it. And yeah. it's unique from, from divorce to divorce or case to case. Yeah. Because some people yeah. might need... Uh, specific yeah. mental health support and others might need specific financial yeah. support or legal yeah. or legal input is always yeah. required actually yeah you also know that i have an extensive psychological background in terms yes. of qualifications you know that i would never do voice of the child mm -hmm. i'm I, I just don't do it often enough uh, you know enough uh, i've actually never done it uh, so it's not my job and i would send voice of the child to somebody that's qualified for that mm. And uh, I think it's irresponsible if you're an attorney or an advocate and you're a, you know, a legal person to suddenly dabble into child psychology by having done a psychology course in a mediation course for a day or two. Mm. I think it's irresponsible. I think that is the stuff that we need to look at and we need to change. And those are the policies that need to be in place. And... That will give mediation a lot of credibility uh, because the process will work better. You'll have uh, many successful mediations. Um, and, um, you know, <laughs> there's something I want to end up here, uh, which is you can actually slot it into Rule 41A. I think there's too many people at the moment. And... Uh, you know, uh, this is something that legal people will maybe more understand what I'm going to say now, but that have an opinion of mediation and how it should be conducted. In other words, what is mediation? And they bring these over in courses and, uh, you know, on webinars, etc. I saw it the other day. And they, they actually profess this is the only way that mediation should work as if it is a statutory requirement. Yes. In other words, 
as if it is law. This is what the law says mediation is. And there's no such law, you know, except for if you look at court and ex-mediation, which is something else. I'm talking about the mediators that you and me deal with that people yes. come to and they're registered with SAM or FAMAC, etc. And many of these courses still only concentrate on facilitative mediation and not evaluative mediation. And if you're a legal expert and you know family law, uh, you know, and the, the Children's Act, etc., you can be evaluative. And that is what people, in my view, a whole study in the UK has proven that as recently as two years ago. People want that. They want to be guided. They want to know this can work. They don't want people to, I, like I put it, you know, they don't want to go into couples therapy when they sit in front of somebody that needs to help them with divorce. There are other people, you know, that do that, like you. Um, we shouldn't be doing that. And um, be careful that if you're a trainer or, you know, you, you are a person of statutory mediation that you only enforce as if that is the only way that you can do mediation. And if you don't do it that way, you're not mediating. And I think that is, once we change that as well, we'll see many attorneys and people from the legal fraternity, you know, taking more cognizance of mediation and start yes. joining, you yes. know, because at the moment it's something that they, it's a bit alien to them. So I think a, a difficult question that comes up for anybody who's facing divorce is to be sure to select the right individuals, uh, select the right litigant and the right mediator for your specific case. And then yeah, yeah. Um, get in the expertise that you need. So yeah. with the Rule 41, it's important to realize, as you said, we have so many feedback from people who say that their mediation has failed. So the Rule 41 will at least help in that regard because, um, as I understand it, if you've gone through mediation and it has failed, the mediator does submit a report to the court. Is that correct? Not necessarily if it's requested, but, um, yeah, you will. You, uh, it's, it's done without prejudice. Mm -hmm. So uh, mediation is done without prejudice. So anything that you did in mediation cannot be used in the court of law. That's correct. Yeah. So, so the judge will not see anything like that before he's given his judgment because that would be prejudicial you know so um uh, the bottom line is that for me it's about a practical scenario where and and i think the attorneys and the legal fraternity maybe uh, carry some of the guilt but the general public as well center uh people you know, they want the cheapest, and I'm using the word cheapest avenue, the quickest avenue, yes. without thinking about the consequences. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, mediation is a lot more inexpensive. It's not a cheaper process. Yes. It is just more inexpensive because you do it quicker and you don't have so many people involved, etc. Um, but I think they, you know, it's like, it's like getting the the forty thousand rand quote guy uh, that works from his garage. I've got no problem with people working from their garages, but 
you know, to put in your kitchen. Yes. And then you had two or three quotes from reputable companies that quoted 80 or 90,000. And then halfway through your kitchen, the guy abandons the kitchen because he couldn't even buy the material to finish the kitchen mm. with the amount that he quoted because he doesn't actually know what he's doing. Let's just put it like that, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yes. And you get that with mediation as well. I guess you get it with anything, but that is something that I see, you know, uh, and then people end up with a failed mediation and, you know, it, it breaks down the perception about mediation. It's very true. So it comes down to being um, discerning. And then there are also a lot of cases that simply can't be mediated. But I think that's a topic for a whole other um, yeah. separate discussion. Maybe we can arrange yeah. that at some stage. Yeah, right. no, that is definitely, definitely so. Not yeah. everything can be mediated. That's true. Yeah. All right. So thank you very much, Etienne, for clearing that up for us. Uh, I appreciate your time. And um, Thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, I think people will understand it a lot better now. Definitely. And uh, especially the misperception that it is mediation is now absolutely compulsory. Yes, that's definitely true that there's a perception out there. I've seen many media articles also actually stating yeah. that it's now compulsory, which is not the fact. Uh, so not thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you, Santa. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.